this summer. Your local movie theater transforms into a tent revival for sharing Jesus. Join believers nationwide for the Million Souls campaign, inviting unsaved loved ones to experience The Firing Squad, a new evangelistic movie starring Kevin Sorbo and Cuba Gooding Jr. Witness the true story that made worldwide headlines, American prisoners discovering faith in Christ while awaiting execution for their crimes in a third world country, transforming their lives and the entire prison in the process. After the movie and before the credits roll, Kevin Sorbo will come on the screen to lead the entire theater in a prayer to commit one's life to Jesus Christ. Visit FiringSquadFilm.com and learn how to get free tickets and more for your unsaved loved ones and become part of this unique event. Bring friends, family, and your faith. Learn more at FiringSquadFilm.com. That's FiringSquadFilm.com. My Patriot Supply, it's hard to know when an emergency is going to occur. I mean, it's coming. We all know that. Now, are you prepared? The only thing guaranteed in life, the only thing that never changes, is change. It's constant. Be prepared for whatever is coming our way. Make sure you get started today with MyPatriotSupply.com. You can save $200 on an essential three-month emergency food kit. Over the years, My Patriot Supply has helped millions of Americans um, prepare for whatever it is that's coming next. Could be an ice storm, snowstorm. You never know what's coming next. Eat right when things go wrong with a three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. With $200 in savings, get enough for each family member. They deserve your protection. It's your responsibility. It's MyPatriotSupply.com. Order by 3 p.m. Get free same-day shipping. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. sick freak welcome to the glenn beck program there's a lot on our plate to uh, deal with today uh ron DeSantis is out nikki haley is pushing in new hampshire uh donald trump has uh officially retired the name ron de sanctimonious and says he is honored that uh, ron DeSantis has endorsed him and the world is all about to change we have the latest on the wef and so much more including What's happening in the economy that you need to know about? All coming up. We begin in 60 seconds. First, Chelsea wrote in about her dog's experience with Rough Greens. She said, I heard you talking about it on the show, and I was hesitant at first. But soon as I opened up the bag of Rough Greens, my dog Zeus came running to it. He's a one-year-old puppy, and uh, his dog food upsets his stomach. I make his food now, but I was looking to make sure that he had the proper nutrients in his diet. He loves rough greens. 
and it's made him happy, healthy, and a puppy again. Thank you so much, Rough Greens. Rough Greens is not a dog food. It was developed by naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black. And remember, brown food is dead food. The kibble foods, all everything's been sterilized and taken out of it. So it can... Oh, here's my puppy, Uno. Uh, so it can... Uh, it can... Uh, sit on a shelf for two and a half years without going bad. Huh? Great. The folks at Rough Greens are so confident that your dog is going to love it. They have a special deal. Just go to roughgreens.com slash back or call 833-GLEN-33 and they're going to give you your first trial bag for free. All you pay for is shipping. Call 833-GLEN-33. It's roughgreens.com slash back. All right. Uh, hello and welcome to the program. Hello, Stu. How are you? Glenn, how'd you, how was your weekend? Uh, my weekend was uh, my weekend was good. I had to give a speech um, in uh, Fort Lauderdale this weekend on Saturday uh, for a pro life group, and and really it was it was an amazing experience. Room full of just really great people. Um, and uh, and before that, I, I was with uh, Patrick De- uh, Bet David uh, on his podcast, which was, which was fun, lots of fun. He has fun people that he works with, see, Stu. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah no, like that's, that's your funny. problem. That's where yeah, you made the yeah, mistake. That's, <laughs> that's where I made the mistake. You're no fun mm-hmm. whatsoever. So um, uh, looks like Ron DeSantis is out. Kind of a surprising move, don't you think? A little bit. It's just because you'd think uh, if he was going to do this, why not do it immediately after Iowa? Uh, you know, why wait? Uh, I guess that's the right. line. You'd, you'd... And, uh, and you could say, because they were arguing back and forth and tr- deciding what to do, but... This was my advice. Uh, when was it? Thursday or Friday? My advice was he should drop out now. Do no more damage to his name. You don't want to look like you you lost over and over and over again. Get out now. Stop the damage uh, on the reputation. Uh, and I'm torn on that because I, I'm not sure what's going to happen with Donald Trump. I mean, you could make a case that... Uh, he's going to go to jail. You could make the case that uh, he's going to hang himself with paper sheets. I mean, <laughs> I, God only knows what these people are willing to do to stop him from being president of the United States. And I, I'd like to have somebody uh, that it has some delegates that can broker at the convention. Now, here's what I really would like to say today about Ron uh, DeSantis, and that is, 47, Mr. President, listen carefully, please. Will you consider Ron DeSantis as your attorney general? Mm. I think he will do more good as attorney general even than he would as your vice president. Make him and Ron, please, if it's offered, please take it. Ron DeSantis has law experience up the wazoo. He's a proven fighter. He knows the deep state. If there's anyone who could go in and clean up the Justice Department and then start cleaning up all of the the nightmares and return justice back to the Justice Department, I think it's Ron DeSantis. And I think if if he would accept that and Donald Trump would announce that now, you would have huge momentum uh, with Ron DeSantis voters. You would also have it with Trump voters. And I think you begin, I think Donald Trump should start announcing his team. And perhaps the least important one is vice president. 
Maybe that's me. That's interesting. I, he would be very good at that, I think. That would be, it's an interesting fit. I, I, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, they just said too many bad things about each other. There's, I mean, nah, that I stuff don't. gets repaired immediately. When, immediately. When, yeah. I mean, the fact that he endorsed, not only did he drop out, and the key part of this is he also endorsed Donald Trump, right? Like, there were people who were saying, well, maybe he'll endorse Nikki Haley, which was <laughs> never going to happen. Never going to happen. Um, but the fact that he he could have done what Chris Christie did, right, where he you drop out, you don't say anything about an endorsement. Um, and then I guess no, you have 14 foolish. hamburgers or whatever Christie did after he, he, <laughs> he dropped out. But you could have done that. And, you know, that would have been a plausible thing for him to do. But he just... You know, went went ahead and admitted what uh, what I think everybody knew for a long time that you know, you know Donald Trump is a is, is probably the person who's going to win this, and you know, why not get on board now? Can we just can we stop with this uh, analyzing and reanalyzing uh, Ron DeSantis and what did his team do wrong? You know, there there's many things you could point out, but the biggest thing that needs to be pointed out is Donald Trump. Once he was indicted, that race was over. It didn't matter how, it didn't matter if he had the dream team behind him or if he had, you know, the Keystone cops behind him. Ron DeSantis didn't have a chance to win as soon as Donald Trump was indicted. The mood of the country and the, uh, the voter changed and people began to see Donald Trump for really who he is. He's kind of like us. If they'll do that to him, they'll do it to us. So he's kind of fighting for him and us at the same time. They see him as a man who has been wronged, who could have given up, and is now on the verge of losing absolutely everything. Everything. And yet, what? We're going to go for somebody else? No. At this time, the American people... A majority of Republican voters see that as something that they feel they should support because he's the guy supporting them and fighting the same fight that they're going to have to fight. So Ron didn't have a chance. Look, I think I'm glad you brought that up because every piece of analysis I've been seeing and reading is like talking about the DeSantis campaign problems. And look, there were some like, do you want infighting at your super PAC? No, you'd choose not to have that if you had the. The, the the choice however if you think that like well if everyone at the super PAC were really good friends he would have won in iowa i mean like that's just what are you talking about like it's like everyone's analyzing the 20 percent of the problem when the 80 percent of the problem is being left unstated 80 percent of the problem is that donald trump is a very unique figure that has a lock on a lot of the voters in the party who got a lock on even more of them and an insurmountable amount when he got indicted. And mm-hmm. and and the sort of conservative mind, you know, the Jonathan Haidt going to that uh, analysis of how conservatives think, loyalty is a really big part of that. Uh, fairness is a really big part of that. And a lot of people think, you know, look, Donald Trump deserves another chance here. And I don't know that that was every, ever able to be overcome. And no. to, to test this, Glenn, I mean, ask, you know, because I've heard this even from some people who really like Donald Trump, big Trump supporters, and it's like, okay, well, you know, Ron DeSantis, sh- they say Ron DeSantis shouldn't have done this. He shouldn't have said this. If he, if his online supporters did this or that or whatever, and I get all that, and you can you can criticize some of that stuff fairly, but like yes. at the end of the day, if Ron DeSantis ran a perfect campaign, was he going to beat your guy? Nope. And not a single one of them would say yes. They'd yeah. all say, of course not. And it's, they're right. 
most likely. I don't know that a perfect campaign could have won in this in this particular circumstance. It's no. like arguing the best uh, album of all time is from Beyonce, and you're talking to an audience that's seventy percent Swifty. It's like it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter how good Beyonce's album is. You're never going to win that argument. Look, here's the thing. Um, no matter what he did, uh, you know, Ron, Ron DeSantis had good numbers before the indictment. Mm -hmm. And when we were just looking at candidates. But what the, Repu what the Democrats did, right or wrong, I mean, it's definitely wrong, but, but strategy-wise, right or wrong, I don't know, because I don't know what their real thought was on why to indict him, you know, for seven billion years of prison time. Um, but, uh, once they did that, all bets were off and Donald Trump has something else. And I'm not saying that Ron DeSantis doesn't have this, you know, or, or anybody that was, was running doesn't have this, but this is in real question now from most people. Does this politician even like America? Do they like America? Donald Trump, the one thing you cannot question is he loves America, loves it. And that is kind of, it's strangely kind of a baseline. You have to have that stone put into your foundation and it has to be rock solid. And the one thing about Donald Trump is, you know, he loves America and that's not to slight anybody else. It is to slight some of the Democrats, um, but uh, it's not to slight uh, anybody else that was running. It's just so very clear that Donald Trump is sincere in his love for America. And I think that goes a very long way. I think so, too. And look, people believe that he's going to be the guy. You know, I mean, a lot of this is you look to a person who is, has done the job already. He's basically an incumbent to the Republicans, right? This is the, already those advantages are built in. He's got an incredibly, you know, prominent profile. One of the most famous, outside of maybe Taylor Swift, probably the most famous person in the world. And, you know, he's a guy that people are lining up behind because most of the voters in the Republican voting uh, populace believe he's being targeted and wronged mm -hmm. in, a, mm -hmm. in a major way. And the fact that they're not only trying to take away his presidency, his legacy, his future uh, prospects, but also his life. You know, they, they want to th take his life and throw it into prison. I, and, I think and, even I, I think we are approaching a new time where you could go further than that. Well, I, I hate know. to say that, I and know. I don't want to assign that to anyone. I'm not saying that it's the Democrats or anything else, but I think there are those uh, who hate Donald Trump so much and are are sick. They're absolutely sick uh, and that wouldn't mind uh, ending his life, unfortunately. Oh, that's I mean a, a place dark place I don't want to go to obviously but I know, you know I know you I know. don't as well but like you know you get to that point where uh, the question now just becomes look, look number one Nikki Haley has a chance to play out the string here uh, you know she sure. has a chance to try to be competitive and maybe win New Hampshire I mean it's the polls aren't particularly optimistic on that fact but like she's gonna get a decent percentage in that state and and you know have a chance to move on to South Carolina it's her home state she deserves yep. the chance to play out the string I don't want to act sure. like it's completely over. Um, but, you know, it, for all intents and purposes, it probably is. We talked about that sort of tier one, tier two um, uh, primary, right? The tier one is a normal campaign, the normal way things play out. Everyone competes to win. 
That one, to me, is largely over. You still have tier two, though, which is what happens to Donald Trump and what happens after if some if they throw him in prison. And right. who knows on that one? What's interesting about Haley is there's really no reason to drop out. Right. I don't know. Maybe I'm not going to see this the, the same way she does. But like if you're here, why not keep your campaign alive and just keep these delegates coming in at 25 and 30 percent? She'll probably get 25, 30 percent in most of these states. She'll be able to bank delegates. And, you know, if something happens with Donald you Trump, have a say, you have a say. you have a say. And like, I don't know what the downside is if she, you know, and this leaves only Ryan Binkley left. Glenn and I, this, if I and I, I, I have thought about this. I have not been able to figure out a way to do it. But if I could figure out a way to right now bet on Ryan Binkley being second place in the delegate count, I would do it because the most likely thing that happens here is Haley drops out. He's the only one left, and uh, and he just. I, and if you don't know who he is, he's running for president uh, on the Republican side. Uh, but he's gonna. That doesn't really help me knowing who he is. No, but he'll. Still, That's just what he's doing currently. Right. I still have no idea. Who Binkley is? He is a a, a Dallas uh, businessman and pastor, and uh, he's been running the whole time. But it, but again, he, I don't Dang. think there's any reason for him to drop out. And whoever isn't Donald Trump is going to get some delegates here. Haley, you'd think would be well. Why not me? I can stick around if this thing falls apart at the top, which is possible. I mean, again, we keep talking about how serious these threats are for Donald Trump. It, it's it's not impossible that some of these legal threats wind up working out in a way that. You know, we all know we're going to the Supreme Court with him being on the ballot or not. My complete belief is that the Supreme Court will be correct on this and he will be placed on the yes. ballot in these states. But it's not impossible that he's not. And and if these things go the wrong way for Donald Trump, there has to be somebody else there. The What might happen is the party comes together and they just do something and like that's ugly. If you're Nikki Haley, you got a bunch of delegates. You at least have an argument at that table. And we're talking about, you know, the leadership of the free world here. You know, I don't know. You're going to what what part of her reputation is she really going to protect by dropping out? I don't know. I and think that's going to be your calculus. I don't think she will. I'll tell you why here in just a second. First, in the old days, when a criminal wanted to steal your identity, he actually act, he had to get dirty, he had to go into the dumpster, dive in through your trash, things like that. These days, it's really easy because your information is all over the Internet. Kids these days, they don't know how good they got it. We used to have to dumpster dive. Yes, that is where somebody who's really old and is a, a cyber criminal is saying to the, these kids nowadays, personal information gets exposed so often in so many ways, it is really dangerously easy for a cyber criminal to steal your identity. But protecting yourself can be easy with LifeLock by Norton. Threats that you might not even spot on your own, things like loans taken out in your name, cyber criminals pretending to be you. If you do become a victim of identity theft, a dedicated U.S. restoration specialist will work to fix it. It's easy to help protect yourself with LifeLock. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year with the promo code BECK. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK, 1-800-LIFELOCK, or head to LifeLock.com. Use the promo code BECK and save 25% right now. It's LifeLock.com. 10 seconds, station ID. So Nikki Haley is trying to get Democrats to uh, vote for her, come out and vote for her. She's trying to play the independent thing. She has lots and lots of money 
from the uh, the dark side. Um, some of these really nefarious uh, big donors um, that stand in the shadows uh, in the on the left, and uh, I don't think she's going to drop out because I think that is a contingency plan. Remember, Democrats always have win win. You know, the left always have has a win win scenario. So we put Donald Trump goes to jail. The country puts him in, in jail, the justice system. And the right rises up and, you know, starts to demand justice. And we're out in the streets. That's a win for the Democrats. They have Donald Trump in jail and they can make you look bad and their allies will come in and, and make things even look worse. Um, you, but what do you do? What do you do? You're in a lose-lose situation, right? But you got to stand up. So what happens? Um, Nikki Haley is, uh, I think, a great uh, win-win for the Democrats because she's now beholden to the money that she has received from all of these people. And if she continues on, they'll continue to spend the money to keep her campaign going, even though she's number two, because they know she'll have a real role with the delegates at the convention, whether or not that is for Donald Trump to be in or in case Donald Trump is out, she's the obvious choice. That's the only reason why I didn't like um, Ron DeSantis stepping out uh, of these primaries. Uh, but I guess you can still vote for Ron DeSantis, you know, if it's if it's not close. And I don't think it's going to be close uh, with Donald Trump anymore. Uh, I think he's just going to walk away with all of it. I could be wrong, but I think he's going to walk away with all of it. Uh, it. It makes me nervous that Nikki Haley is going to be holding a lot of the delegates that um, that uh, were left on the table. And it's interesting, Glenn, if the legal situation does go the wrong way for Trump, there is one word that you keep hearing over and over again that's going to become very key, which is suspend Remember, these guys aren't stopping their campaigns. None of they're them suspending, are. Yeah. They, they're suspending their campaigns, meaning they can reactivate them. Usually the reason you do this is because you can still wind up finishing up with some business stuff. You can raise some money to pay some debts. You can do lots of things like that with right. your campaign still open and not completely closed. Here, though, it might wind up being a totally different thing. If if for some mm -hmm. reason the, the legal situation goes the wrong way, you could see a lot of these candidates being like, all right, we still got a bunch of primaries left. I'm unsuspending. I'm going to try to pick up some delegates to make a run at this. So um, Bobby Kennedy, um, you know, the guy who literally called for my execution over my disagreement <laughs> with him on climate change, literally, we need to find that audio. I, I was telling it to somebody. It somewhere. You yeah. have it? Yeah. Okay. Um, but it was you and Rush, too. We should also, Rush Limbaugh was also included in that. Yeah. Okay. Is that what happened? To, oh, my. Another conspiracy theory. Anyway, um, he is seeking a path. His path to victory is to force the House to elect the President of the United States. And he thinks he'd be the guy that the House would pick to be the President. It's insane it's absolutely insane and yet another form of chaos glenn beck building a parallel economy is up to all of us it's it's up to you just on how you spend your money whenever 
whenever and wherever possible, support the businesses that stand by you, that stand for the same things that you believe in. Now, you got to get a great product from them. you got to get a great price. But if there is a choice, why would you go with just the tried and not true to the things you believe in? Why not go to somebody else that is providing a better price, the same product, if not better, uh, and they stand for your principles. And not only that, they are fighting for the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. That's where Patriot Mobile comes in. Patriot Mobile, you're going to save money. You're going to have the same exact coverage because if you're part of one of the big three, they're on the same cell towers. So whatever your coverage is, you get that same coverage. And they'll make it easy to switch. Go to PatriotMobile.com slash Beck, PatriotMobile.com slash Beck, or 972-PATRIOT. Head over to BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. The code is Glenn30, and you'll save 30 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. So, apparently, not everybody agrees with us on uh, Nikki Haley. There is uh, one person, and I know who they are, but they left this, they left this note on my uh, desk. Uh, True confessions of an underground Nikki Haley supporter. Uh, <laughs> he wrote... I'm writing this from a secure and heavily guarded location. I'm under 24-7 monitoring and protection, kind of like Epstein. But I'm actually being cared for. There's a lot of debate within the conservative party, but unlike the Democratic Party, the Republican Party typically open is, opening, is open to differing ideas, unless you're a Nikki Haley supporter. Apparently, then straight to the gulag with you. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much, mm. right? I mean, is that no, um, I'm willing. I'm writing this anonymously to save my family from embarrassment and ridicule. <laughs> my name is John Doe, and I am a Nikki Haley supporter. Let me explain before you dox me. People say Nikki is a Democrat. Well, do you know who else was a Democrat up until five minutes ago? The right's favorite loudmouth Vivek Ramaswamy. <laughs> Donald Trump was notorious hanging around the Democratic circles before switching over to the right. Mm. And iconic Republican President Ronald Reagan was on the left side as well. So Nikki is in good company. Well, no, there's actually, I mean, if you look at the examples you gave, they all started on the left and then they moved right. <laughs> Where Nikki, well, I don't need to. Being a Nikki Haley supporter is being like a Dallas Cowboys fan. Everybody hates her for every reasonable reason imaginable. You can uh, get hate from every side. You know what she's capable of, but she just won't do it. I know what you can be, Nikki, and I want people to see you how I see you. But don't just help yourself when you appear, but you don't help yourself when you appear wishy-washy on abortion and transgenderism in children. You have a successful track record, just like Ron DeSantis does. You started the campaign off strong, just like the Cowboys, but you're choking in the playoffs, Nikki. You had a decent showing in the Iowa caucus. New Hampshire and South Carolina are yours for the taking now that DeSantis is out. Just don't say anything stupid. Please don't disappoint me. I've been disappointed in you enough 
this year already. <laughs> wow, that's a over, that's a ring <laughs> yeah. endorsement there of Nikki Haley. <laughs> and, Jeez, and we all know who this is. There's somebody on our staff that show up is, yes. in Nikki Haley t-shirts uh, all the time. Uh, that, that that's not that's not necessarily a good endorsement. I but, will uh, say it is a bit extreme to call her a Democrat. I mean, she does have a good record. She was a good governor in South Carolina generally. Yeah. Uh, like again, I think she's out of step with certain things in the Republican electorate right now. Uh, yeah. As Pat yeah, will be right. happy to and outline, so uh, Pat Gray is with us, and he can li- outline every part of this. But like, probably to call her a Democrat is just, uh, you know, it's primary nonsense, right? Like, she's not a Democrat. She would be much better than Joe Biden. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. But, well, the problem is a lot of her support in New Hampshire are is coming from Democrats. Yeah, no, it's true. And so, and, and she's a lot of her money, money is, is coming. That's from the big yeah. thing. She, the money yeah. is coming from her. From right. There. Yeah. Right. Um, but uh, but so again, there's a, a, a big difference but between... I mean, of Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, who would you have thought six months ago would be among the final two? Yeah. Oh, my well, God. you know, if it's we really, honestly, if we really would have looked at it, we would have probably said that it would be Ron DeSantis yeah. down to those three. No, I'm sorry. Nikki Haley down to those three. If we had really thought about it, because the Ron DeSantis voter is really the Donald Trump voter. None of those people are going to go away from Donald Trump, I think. But I mean, um, this this whole thing, she's still around and she's in second place or whatever, is a little misleading. It's like, you know, it John Kasich also, is, yeah. quote unquote, finished in second, right? right. Like, yeah, I right, mean, he right, didn't right, finish right, in second, right, but he was right. he hung around longer than Cruz well, did. Yeah, DeSantis beat her in Iowa. Yeah, yeah, which supposedly punched his ticket to continue. Right, which you yeah. think, How, Okay, well, did your, was your ticket revoked? It was revoked. Six I believe, days later? I believe the I answer to that was smart. it was revoked by his donors, <laughs> is what it was. Yeah. Yeah. The, the rumor I, I, was he was talking to his donors, and his donors said, look, it's not going to happen, and we're not going to keep funding this, and that's when yeah. this decision was made. And that's what's weird about Nikki Haley. The Democratic donors yeah. are like, yes, we'll mm-hmm. continue to fund you. That that's the real problem with Nikki Haley is the donors that are coming from the left. Yeah, was it donors or was there some kind of arrangement made with Trump? Do you think is that possible that that Trump has Maybe, offered him but, a position, either vice president or some cabinet position, oh, if he no, gets no, out no, right no, now? No, 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 no. First of all, I don't think uh, Ron DeSantis would take the uh, vice president role. I'd love it if he did, but I don't I think would he too. would take it if it was offered. Should. Um, I think he should be offered and should accept the AG role right now. It's interesting. Maybe it's interesting. he's the attorney yeah. general. He'd clean up that mess. His <clears throat> yeah. background is law. He's really mm-hmm. serious about it. He could really root out the deep state mm-hmm. and do all the things that, uh, you know, the, the president, uh, you know, can't necessarily because he can't be involved with justice. Interesting. There's a lot of candidates for that particular job too. I mean, Cruz would be great at that job. I mean, Cruz would be great, and you know, he's become much. Mike more Lee would be great. What Mike about Lee would be Chris fantastic. Christie, who's been an Attorney General? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wait, why didn't he talk I, about that I during think the campaign? He mentioned it once. Oh, okay. But you have to listen really carefully. Really carefully. <laughs> really. really carefully. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah so who do you think he should pick for? Because he said he came out and he said. I I've already selected yeah. my running mate and people are not going to be that surprised by by my uh, selection. And he said, I don't think it's going to have, you know, that much an effect on the election. I think to me that signals Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Might yeah. be her. Uh, you, I've no, been. Nobody would be surprised by no, that. That's true. And it won't really affect the election. I've and cut. that's. It's a woman. Mm-hmm. It's somebody who's loyal. Somebody yep. that won't take the spotlight. We I did, mean, I true. We did talk talk about that little nugget in uh, in an article about the vice presidency where. It said, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the fact that she waited as long as she did to endorse Trump was, quote unquote, noticed in the inner circles <laughs> of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. So who else could it be? Christy Nome. I think Christy Nome's a possibility. Possible. Uh, because she's, look, the Christy Nome, as, as Donald Trump says often about candidates, right out of central casting, right? Like she's mm-hmm. an attractive candidate. She yeah. ha- she In know, more ways than one. Mm-hmm. Um, she uh <laughs> thank she, you pat you're welcome we didn't get you're welcome. we didn't get that no we i just wanted that, to make sure that that yeah, was all right we, yeah, yeah. yeah um but uh, also she's smart and uh, and, mm-hmm. and the other thing is and this is not a, is. not a, i don't mean this as a knock on christy Nome, but the one thing you talk about her as a a candidate for the future or as uh, her at the top of the ticket is she's kind of boring like she is not mm-hmm. like a particularly like engaging it's not gonna happen she's smart but refined and yeah. and kind of like just yeah. lays things out. But she's not a she's not a camera seeker, and that's why when people talk about yeah. Vivek Ramaswamy for this role, like Vivek loves being in front of the camera, mm-hmm. loves fighting with everybody, and I don't. That's not usually the profile that Trump goes for in these yeah. positions. So I don't know. Maybe he will this time. The other person that he was specu- hang on just a second. Yeah. He does not need somebody who <clears throat> has personal problems. Uh, and uh, and names to be dragged out. Just he doesn't need that. I don't know. I, it's the type of thing that Trump completely can overcome. This is a criticism of Noam, but maybe made by some people. But it's like I don't know. I mean, it kind of puts her in a position where certainly loyalty is more likely in a situation like that. Let me let me put it that way. Um, another person who I think, if you take out the identity politics of this. Mm-hmm. And you just say, forget, like we always talk about not caring about skin color or gender, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you take all that out, you know, J.D. Vance is a really interesting candidate for that role. He's oh, yeah. super smart. He can argue with anybody. He knows the media. Ohio. He's famous in his own right. Uh, it's a somewhat, yeah. some, I mean, I don't think Trump's going to have any trouble. People will in Ohio, be but. surprised. People would be surprised by that. You're right. I, I agree with you. You'd make a great candidate. But that would be a surprising candidate. Donald Trump said, you're not, people will not be that surprised when I announce, and it will never really, um, it, it, it will never have that big of an effect on who I choose. So mm-hmm. he's not going to choose a, a, a game changer, and he's going to choose somebody that everybody go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I don't think J.D. Vance is in that category. Yeah, maybe. Our friend Yaku Boyens is saying that he's hearing Ben Carson being mm-hmm. tossed around i have heard that, that tossed around yeah that, i don't like that that would not be surprising it would because it couldn't get anybody more quiet but i or I, milk toast. I think it would, and loyal. yeah i think it would be bad yeah i do too i do think I that think loyalty is going to be the number one thing he thinks about right because he, mm-hmm. he yes. believes and he i think burned, carson's but, would would fit that bill right I, I i would be anyone who you would say easy test if you put that person in the same situation as mike pence would they agree with mike pence or not and if the answer is he, yes, they would agree with Mike Pence. I don't think there's any chance they get this job. Right. I, I, I just fundamentally, this is the the most like life changing moment in his political career. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe his entire right. life that he believes he was wronged. At. Again, you know, putting aside whether he was wrong, but like you know, if he believes that, 
Why would he choose someone who would go down that same road? And I feel like that's going to be his number one. He's going to say but, a lot of things, Glenn. I think it's tough to read the tea leaves with Donald Trump because he likes oh, the know, drama. He likes. I know. He's, I know. He, the reality show part of him loves him talking to one candidate. And look, it looks like oh, I'm going to fire you, but then I'm going to fire you. Like he loves doing that. So it's hard. He to is know when him. he announces there will be music. He'll say, "And my selection is." <laughs> and then dun 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 Bum, 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 bum. Carrot top! Whoa! I did not see that coming at all! <laughs> he does like that drama. He does. He does like that drama. So anytime he says something like, it's you're not going to be surprised, like, who knows if he's trying to throw people off the scent, True. whether he's even made the decision or not. I don't think you can trust anything he says to the media, especially in these moments. But when you look at trying to break it down, you know, I think a lot of these candidates do fall in. I don't. Nikki Haley to me doesn't make any sense. None. I don't see why he would do that. The only th- the some of the analysis I've read by people who are uh, you know on the inside of 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 the Trump world say the one thing he would do to choose someone like Haley would be if he was convinced it was the only chance he could win. Like yes. if he got yeah. to the point where he believed he was behind and he saw Haley as overwhelmingly popular and he thought it could bring him across the finish line, he'd pick anyone. She's not, though. No, I don't think so either. No, and she would hurt the the diehard Trump supporter. They would be yeah. like, oh, come on, man, don't sell out. I Well, I don't know. Who was, I was talking to Dave Marcus. Dave Marcus is the guy I do the show, Megyn Kelly show with when I go on there. And, and Dave brought up a oh, point. It's weird because I, I do it with Megyn Kelly. Okay. Well, I do it with Dave and Megan, and it's great. Oh, okay. And right. I'm not in the Radio Hall of Fame, and you bring that up, you know, twice right. a day. So I, I get it. Um, but uh, he brought up an interesting point, which is there's part of the Trump experience, which is like he doesn't care about that. He he, if he believes it's the right thing, he believes his voters will go along with it. Right, like yes. the whole famous thing about he's right about that. I'd shoot people on Fifth Avenue, and they'd st- I wouldn't lose any votes. He believes that, and he says, "Look, if 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 I think Nikki Haley's the right person, then get on board. Nikki yeah. Haley's the right person." And I think that's right. true if he makes that decision. But I don't think he'd make that decision for any other reason than he believed it was necessary to win. Which it's certainly right now it's not. I mean, he's he's See, at that's his, one of his the best reasons. position in the polls he's been in in any of his presidential runs right now. That's one of the reasons why I like uh, Ramaswamy, because there's a new poll out. I'll tell you about this new poll about Gen Z voters and what they're saying right now. This is not good for President Joe Biden, uh, but it is an opening for somebody. Uh, Will Donald Trump capitalize on it? We'll talk about that here in just a second. Thank you, Pat, for stopping by. Our sponsor this half hour is American Giant. American made, there's a reason why that term has always carried a lot of weight with consumers, because it means that there are jobs here in America, and you know who's making every piece of whatever it is you're buying from the ground up. You know you're getting true quality, a product made with true merit, made by people in this country for a fair wage. Well, that's what you get with uh, American Giant. Every bit of American Giant clothing, every stitch of thread, every metal rivet, every drop of ink made and assembled here in America. So you're not just buying clothing. You're investing in a process that helps save our country and helps create jobs and rebuilds us. Plus, you get clothing that will last forever and ever. Buy American at American-Giant.com slash Glenn. Use my name and get 20% off your first order. It's American-Giant.com slash Glenn. American-Giant.com slash Glenn. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. 
Constitution Wealth is the Patriots' choice in wealth management. Do you want to avoid doing business with companies that screw you over, over and over again, screw your values over and over again? Do you want to do that? Because, you know, maybe you stopped buying Bud Light. Maybe you stopped watching Disney movies. Well, if you did that, why not do the same thing with your investment? And honestly, a big part of the reason is it's hard to do with your investments. It's hard to unwind all the stuff that you're invested in. It's hard to figure out how to be on the right side with all these companies. This is why you need Constitution Wealth. They can help build a solid investment plan because you know you have to retire someday. Yeah, you need to be building up a portfolio as you go. Why not have that align with your values? Constitution Wealth not only understands that you want this to happen, but also they want to give you the best options as well to get good returns. So you can avoid ESG and DEI nonsense but you can also reduce your investments in stuff like gambling or uh, pornography, abortion, anti-family policies, drugs and alcohol, whatever, whatever you want. You can reduce your investments in woke corporations and in so doing, help to fight the culture war with your most powerful weapon, your money and your voice. This is your opportunity to build the parallel economy by working with an investment firm comprised of professionals who think just like you. So why work with anyone else? Do you really want to? Uh, let me give you the website address here to go to. It's constitutionwealth.com slash do. Constitutionwealth.com slash do. Get a free consultation today. Hello, me mateys. Despite uh, Generation Z, uh, the voters favoring President Biden uh, over Donald Trump, Biden's presidential uh, uh, hopes are beginning to be dashed a bit by Generation Z voters. They had voted for him in 2022 by 57%. However, the people at this time in 2020, 57% of Americans 18 to 29 said they're going to vote and it's going to be for Biden. However, that percentage now has decreased by 49%. Biden's presidential performance is only approved now. Only 49% of Generation Z say they're going to go vote, and only 35% say they're going to vote for George, uh, I mean, for uh, Joe Biden. However, it's not the full picture. The age range, when it incre- is increased to 18 to 29 and 18 to 34, the poll shows that Donald Trump has more support than Joe Biden. In the latest USA Today Suffolk University poll, that revealed that Trump leads Biden among voters uh, under the age of 35, with 37% of these voters supporting Trump compared to 33% supporting Biden. This is honestly the reason why I really thought Ramaswamy would make a good uh, vice president, because not only would he help get the younger vote out for uh, Donald Trump, I think you would begin to teach that younger generation, just like Kennedy did, to uh, to vote for this particular party because they're the party of of change and a bright future and and uh, and listening to them. I think that's why the, the most important thing Ramaswamy could do for President Trump at this point okay we would need to talk about what's happening with your wallet we'll talk about the economy next
Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. We've got a lot on our plate today. I'm going to explain the DeSantis and uh, Trump uh, campaigns and this election cycle uh, to, uh, well, believe it or not, Braveheart and Camelot. And you'll understand, uh, I think, the political realm a, a little uh, a little clearer in the next few minutes. So stand by. We have that for you. Also, Carol Roth joins us. She's going to talk about a new proposed rule on lending for banks. Uh, also, what's happening in China, the economy. Also, uh, there we have some really good news on ESG. I mean, probably the best news. If you thought you weren't winning on ESG and they were just going to rename, that is absolutely true. Except something has happened that we are excited to tell you about. That shows we're putting them into checkmate. And it's all because of you. Coming up in just a second. Stand by. First, let me tell you about Relief Factor Sleep. Does it ever feel like you have the best sleep of your life? And sometimes it occurs in about five minutes before your alarm goes off in the morning. You catch yourself, you know, throughout the day desperately wishing you could just find a broom closet where you could sleep. Then if that is you, you are in desperate need to give Relief Factor Sleep a try. I don't always have uh, difficult sleeping, but when I do, I take Relief Factor Sleep. And one of the reasons why is we were over in uh, London and we were on vacation and I could not, I couldn't get my body clock in, so I took some Ambien. Oh my gosh, that stuff is dangerous. In fact, last night we were just watching... uh, dad uh, doing like a little puppet show that dad didn't remember he was doing for the kids because I was on Ambien and uh, take it while you're in bed and then the next day you wake up I think feeling groggy and nasty unlike the great sleep you will get from relief factor sleep it is all 100% drug free it's natural ingredients it just helps your body relax uh, it takes to stress out. It improves your mood. Find out about it. You, uh, I know from experience it works. I think you're going to like the way it works for you. Get a good night's sleep. 1995. Unleash the power of great sleep. Call 800, the number four relief. That's 800, the number four relief. Or go to relieffactor.com. Dream big and sleep tight. Alrighty, uh, we have Carol Roth uh, on with us. Hello, Carol. How are you? I can't hear Carol. You, yeah, you, you 
Oh, great. Uh, I was saying what a better way to start the week than with you and your fabulous community. So off yeah. to a fantastic start. So let me give some good news to this fantastic audience. Big news from Florida. The uh, the law that we spoke about uh, the last time that um, Justin Haskins was in town in Dallas, we were talking to a Florida representative. Uh, it is working. More than 100 Florida banks, including some huge nationally chartered banks, have just signed an agreement with the state that they will not discriminate on the basis of customers' political views. This is one of the main reasons why we wanted this in the first place. You can see the uh, legislation. I'm going to tweet it out uh, here in just a minute or so. The legislation behind this is the same that we've been promoting since the Great Reset book was uh, released in January of 2022. Same uh, legislation that lawmakers learned about when they came to the summit that we hosted at Mercury One in Dallas. And uh, it's the same one that I talked about when I was on the um, on the stage at the Pro Family Legislative Conference in November of 2023. This is a massive, massive win. Donald Trump has also formally committed on the campaign trail to stopping banks from discriminating on the basis of politics. The whole point of the bill that we were pushing in uh, in uh, in Florida, if other states pass bills like the one in Florida, we will win and destroy ESG. We're getting an update. Hopefully, I'll have one by the end of the show on how many other states are taking this up. But Florida, again, is leading the way. Donald Trump says he is is uh, right with this. We need your state to follow Florida's lead. The banks are jumping off, and they are actually signing uh, uh, promises that they will not uh consider your politics when looking at loans or anything else. That is huge, Carol. Huge. That is, that is huge. And I want to point out, Glenn, this is the second grassroots win that we've heard about within the last seven days. And I am so proud of you and everyone in your audience who has been saying, I'm not sure that I can make a difference, but you know, I'm going to try. I'm going to write a letter. I'm going to send some, some comments in, whether it's to my state legislator uh, or representative or to my governor or whoever it is. We're seeing that when enough people stand up, they can make a difference. And that should inspire and fire everybody else yeah. up to continue this because it is working. And so the, I'm thrilled, by the way, that I get to say some, participate in some good news on your program. I well. know, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, that's going to end soon. Your mood won't improve much. But, uh, but, but I do want to point out what you just said. Talk about what happened last week that was another massive win and it started with this audience it a hundred percent started with this audience and it started with you and marlo oaks the treasurer yes. out of utah who Huge. brought to our brought to our attention these natural asset companies and the fact that the new york stock exchange had gone to the sec and said we want to list them we want to list these companies who can control and manage natural resources and we said no, this isn't going to happen. And so you brought this to everyone's attention. We came up with a template. People from this audience, hundreds of people from this audience came, emailed me personally for that template, sent it in. And there was so much
much pressure that the SEC didn't even get to rule. The New York Stock Exchange withdrew the rule because of the pressure from patriots, from this audience. It was an absolutely huge victory. So now we've got this. We've got the the ESG. We've got the non-discrimination. We have momentum. So certainly lots more work to be done. But everybody should take that moment to take a victory lap. It doesn't mean you have a party yeah. for the rest of the year, but for a quick moment to say, I made a difference if I participated. Big and difference. if you didn't do it the last time around, next time do it around, the next time. do it the next time. Because yep. the more people who do it, the more of a chance we have to make that difference. So uh, we're going to get into why this is so critical that you understand the power that you have uh, and really know it. Um, it's critical uh, make sure you're listening next hour because I'm going to show you massive moves now being made uh, on uh, silencing voices like ours to alert people like you. So you may have to be the replacement vote uh, voice to encourage others. Um, it is the digital ghettos are being made right now, and they're going to start putting people behind those walls uh, soon. Okay, so Carol. Um, let me explain the discount window and see if I have it right. Discount window at the Fed. Think of a bunch of windows at a bank where you walk up to windows. The discount window was where banks, uh, they, if they walked into the Fed, which is the bank of banks, okay? So all those windows, there's bankers at the windows, no people like you. And the discount window was the kind of shameful window at the end that everybody could see. And you could walk up to the discount window if your bank was in trouble and say, uh, I need to borrow some more money. Uh, I, I need it here because uh, we're getting a little dicey on our books. And all the bankers could look over to see who is in line at that discount window. And then they'd say, Bank of George is in trouble. Did you see that? George was just up there. The Bank of George is in real trouble. And so it was shameful and nobody wanted to go up to that discount window. After 2008, they took all that shame away. And now you can walk up and go, yeah, man, right? Are we all in trouble? You bet. Can you give me some more money? Do I have that right? A pretty similar. And it's an unfortunate name because the discount window does sound like a place at Nordstrom where you maybe get a discount on some good, good, right. good, good goods. Right. But, you know, you said it is sort of um, has a stigma attached to it because Correct. within the banking system, within the plumbing, as you noted, banks lend to each other on a regular basis. And if you're in good shape, um, you may go if you have a liquidity need overnight or for a short term, you may go to another bank and you may get a loan. And that's actually what the Fed funds rate sets that target Correct. rate of lending at that we hear. We hear, oh, you know, we're going to go up 50 basis points, we're going to go down. That's that interbank lending rate. The discount window, as you mentioned, is at the Fed. Funny enough, it's not even at a discount. It's actually at a premium to the right. Fed funds rate because banks who you know can't get the money elsewhere have to go to the Fed. We've heard the name uh, or the phrase, the Fed is the lender of last resort. And that's if you're in line at that discount window, it's because you've got nowhere else to go Correct. in order to get that money for your liquidity. 
So while that information isn't reported, um, uh, usually on a, a case-by-case basis for about two years, you don't know specifically, there's enough detail that participants in the market can infer who's going to those windows. And then also it's a very important market signal because in the aggregate, if we're seeing a lot of loans being taken down via the discount window, which is reported on a regular basis, we can infer that there's trouble in the banking system. So like we did last March when there was the banking crisis, you saw this huge spike in discount window usage. So I think that that kind of pieces this all together. Okay, so now what has the Fed done? So there is a new rule that is being worked on. This had been rumored to be happening for a long time, and now it's finally come out. And it's between the Fed, the Treasury, and the, I believe it's the FDIC. And they are planning to say, well, because there's so much, uh, well, actually, they're not saying because, I'm getting ahead of myself. So they're basically saying they're going to introduce a new rule that if you are a bank over a certain size, I think the $100 billion is the the assumed uh, cutoff point, that we're going to force you to use the Fed discount window every year on uh, whether you need a loan, whether you don't need a loan, whether you could borrow from another bank, doesn't matter. We're going to make sure that you do it. And the reason they think we're so stupid, they say, well, the reason we had this crisis in March wasn't because we had all of these underwater, uh, you know, securities on, on banks balance sheets. No, no, no. That wasn't the issue. It was because they couldn't figure out how to use the discount window. So this will be like a dress rehearsal or a fire drill. So if you do it on a regular basis, now you know and we can avoid the other crisis, which is absolutely insane. And if you believe that, I have a bridge to sell you. That is like like cops saying, uh, yeah, well, uh, we've got to fire our guns, you know, uh, at people once in a while because otherwise... If something happens, we won't know how to fire guns at people. I mean, that's crazy. Of course they know how to use it. That's their job to learn how to use it. It seems to me they're forcing these banks to do it so we don't know who's in trouble anymore. Bingo. So there is this great newsletter called FX Hedge, and they brought this uh, out into the open and sort of surmised the different reasons why this was happening. Uh, And I'll add my own flavor in here, too. But like you said, the obvious reason is that they're trying to obfuscate the information and the signals. They're trying to hide what is going on in the banking system. So that that's the, the clear reason, the only reason why you would force everybody to do it, because, of course, if you're part of the Fed system, you're going to know how to use the discount window, right? They're big, big, huge banks, and they can't figure out how to use the discount right. window. I mean, it's absolutely insane. But it also kind of, if you start going down the line, it means that they must think that there's some reason for them having to hide this information, which is the various issues and weakness that we have known for a while remains in the uh, the banking system. On top of that, uh, this FX Hedge newsletter also talked about the idea of consolidation, something that you and I have Mm. spoken about a lot within the banking system and centralization, that if the banks are no longer lending it to each other and they're now relying on the Fed, this is shifting the banking system away from, you know, more of a quasi free market to a more Fed controlled system, which we know is something that we have been concerned about with CBDC. 
And then, you know, a fourth reason could be these liquidity issues that we're seeing in the Treasury market and the need for the Fed to find ways to increase its balance sheet without calling it QE. So lots of possible different reasons, but certainly that first hallmark reason that they're trying to hide information and issues within the banking system um, is, is just it's a not only a head scratcher, but it's a red neon sign. Okay, um, hang on, Carol. I got to take a quick break. Um, the the commercial I'm paying for because it's my company, so I'm just going to give it a real quick hit because what we're talking about here with what's coming in the economy is too important to uh, spend too much time. So let me just tell you, uh, if you are looking to buy or sell a house, the information she has and she's giving you is really, really important. But you need somebody who knows and understands what's happening in the market, can see what's happening. You need somebody, honestly, who is as well-informed as you are and then an expert in real estate. So if you're looking to buy or sell your house, realestateagentsitrust.com, we'll find the right real estate agent in your area. If we don't have one in your area, we're not going to recommend anybody. We just want the very best of the best. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Go there first when you're looking for a a representative or real estate agent for you. realestateagentsitrust.com. 10 seconds, station ID, and back to Carol. Okay, so Carol, there's there's also something going on that I don't understand, and that is we are now, I guess, the U.S. has proposed that we just take $300 billion of Russian assets, unfreeze them, and I guess, what, divvy them up to us? What, what is this? All right, so this is a proposal that is uh, expected to be put forward um, at the end of February, and it's something we need to keep our eyes on because in the context of the discussions we've been having about de-dollarization and the U.S. being the global reserve currency, it's very important. Uh, There are people like Larry Summers, who, as you may remember, was a former Treasury Secretary under Clinton. He was also Obama's um, director of the NEC, and so he's been working with with some other economist folks in the G7, and they are exploring ways as a group to figure out how they can legally uh, take all of the assets, or at least $300 billion of the assets that they froze uh, back when Russia invaded Ukraine. You remember they did this, they weaponized the dollar, and it created all sorts of issues, and they had frozen those reserves so Russia couldn't access them. Well, now they're trying to justify legally that they have the ability to seize those fully. So not just freeze them. We went from freeze Make to seize. Ours. Take them. Wow. And what they want to do is they want to give them to Ukraine. They're going to compensate Ukraine in some oh way, gosh. shape, or form. I know oh it, totally, it totally doesn't sound like money laundering at all, Glenn. I'm not suggesting oh that. Um, but yeah, so they wanted to use this 300 billion dollars that belongs to Russia, seize it, quote unquote, legally. And so they have been in this working group and it's expected that at the end of February, I think that the date's February 24th, they're going to be in this group and that they are going to make this announcement. And if you go to to Larry Summers' Twitter, you know, he's talking about, you know, oh, I'm so excited that the G7's on board with this and this is the moral and right thing to do. This is that I, I, you know, I can't, I can't even believe the that they're they're 
trying to position it this way, because obviously when they took the step to freeze the reserve assets, this in terms of our position as the world reserve currency and the trust of the U.S. created all kinds of ripple effects. And now if you're somebody who buys food or energy that, that's priced in dollars, you're trying to find a workaround, which is why we're, we've been seeing this de-dollarization, why we've been seeing this trade going on from China uh, and other countries in other currencies and in many cases settled with gold because of this. Now they're going to just say, we're going to take them and give them to whoever it is that we want. This is an epic disaster. It is a complete dereliction of duties. And somebody in Congress needs to get the, the Fed and the government under control because we cannot do this unless Glenn, and we've talked about this before, this is an entirely intentional way to, you know, get the, the dollar to continue to, to topple and not beat the world's reserve currency. Let me ask you something um, on uh, Jamie Dimon. Last week, he was at the World Economic Forum and Correct. he came out shockingly, you know, very praiseworthy of Trump saying, you know, hey, we should listen. He's right about a lot of things. Um, people didn't understand what he was doing. I saw this as a way of auditioning for Donald Trump to say, make me your Treasury secretary. Does that sound right to you or plausible? I'm so glad that you said that because I had some people who went to the JP Morgan Healthcare Conference, which is their marquee conference in January, and he gave a sort of internal speech there. Somebody asked him, said, Jamie, would you ever want to be president? And he said, well, I've seen these wonderful business people go in before and run campaigns and they haven't been successful. But, mm -hmm. you know, if somebody tapped me on the shoulder, then I would have to rise to the occasion. So he is putting the word out in his circle that he is interested in something much higher so i'm with you Glenn. there's something there yeah something big thank you so much i appreciate it carol roth uh the name of her book is you will own nothing she's not claiming that you'll like it you'll just own nothing a must read for everybody in this audience her name is carol roth we'll talk to her again if you have questions for carol please go to her website go to her uh her Twitter and ask her. She can, she can clarify a lot of things. When we come back, the Democratic Socialists are going broke. Glenn Beck. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel of Towers Foundation has been delivering on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices of America's greatest heroes. Heroes who put their lives on the line to protect our country and our communities. Heroes like Bristol, Connecticut Police Sergeant Dustin DeMonte. After responding to a domestic violence incident, he sustained fatal gunshot wounds. He left behind his expectant wife and two children. Thanks to the generosity of people like you, Tunnel to Towers paid the mortgage on the DeMonte family home and lifting all of their financial burden. As his loved ones mourned the decorated officer's loss, they welcomed a miracle the child he would never get to meet. So many families need your help. Please help America's heroes and their young families. Join Tunnel to Towers on a mission to do good in their honor. 95 cents out of every dollar you donate goes to their programs. So will you donate $11 a month? Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2T.org. Hello, America. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. 
I want to explain um, to all those who are wondering, what could Ron DeSantis have done wrong? I mean, it was the infighting. It was this. It was that. No, he didn't have a chance. He didn't have a chance. And it doesn't say anything about Ron DeSantis. Here's here's, Here's what I think people are missing. JFK was imaged as Camelot. Okay? You were... You were swept up in a moment where this guy was King Arthur and it was Camelot and it was beautiful and it was perfect. Okay. That's what was sweeping the nation with JFK. Just as much as that is true, as the moment, the moment the Democrats, for whatever reason, decided to persecute Donald Trump and his family by prosecuting him on absolutely everything. That's when Donald Trump, 47 as I like to call him, became Braveheart. Just as much as JFK was Camelot and King Arthur, Donald J is Braveheart. And when they, when they decided to go after him, that's when he had been riding his horse back and forth in front of everybody before. But that's when a guy who didn't have to fight draws his sword and screams, freedom! It was a battle of legends, titans now. And DeSantis was just a very good politician, very good conservative, very good governor, and could be a very good president. But he wasn't Braveheart. And that's the difference uh, and why, why Ron DeSantis at the beginning was doing well. The moment they said we're coming after Donald Trump legally and began all of that, he became a legend and a a symbol. And Ron DeSantis was not that symbol and did not have a chance after that uh, after that moment, at least in my opinion. Now, there's a couple of things you need to know. Bloomberg is reporting today outside ownership of U.S. cropland is drawing attention from Washington as concerns rises about the possible threats to food supply chains and other national security risks. Huh. America is seeing more and more of its most fertile land snapped up by China and other foreign buyers, yet problems with how the U.S. tracks such data means it's difficult to know just how much. Foreign ownership and investment in property such as farmland, pastures, and forests jumped to 40 million acres in 2021. That is up 40%. Now, that's according to U.S. Department of Agriculture data. However, they don't really know because the laws require foreigners to self-report. And uh, apparently there's some of that that's slipping through the cl- cracks just a, just a little bit, just a little bit. Some For some reason, China's not reporting. So we have absolutely no idea of what is coming. Do we have the um, audio in the next story? The audio, I think it's cut 35. This is a guy on the border who uh, is answering a reporter's question. Where'd you come from? Who are you? And listen to what he says. If you are smart enough, you will know who I am. But you are really not smart enough to know who I am. But soon you're going to know who I am. Very easy. Wow, very easy. 
The, the entitlement, the entitlement. No, believe me, I'm much better than that. The entitlement, guys. Oh, and immediately they're saying, oh, entitlement. No, no, that doesn't sound like entitlement. You're much too stupid to know who I am, he says, as he's crossing into America. Uh, sounds, was that a British accent I heard, Stu? I'm not quite sure. Um, you're too stupid to know who I am, but soon you will know my name. Oh, okay. Well, that's what I like to hear on our borders is that kind of talk. Then you also have Sahara Dula, 24. She's a New England college criminal justice graduate who wants to specialize in crisis communication. A video has now captured Dula driving the wrong way on Park Avenue near East 71st Street in Manhattan around 4.30 Wednesday when an officer approached her to turn her around. She then floored her Lexus and hit the officer. She was later found to be high on marijuana. She told an investigators, quote, I told the cop I wanted to go straight and he wouldn't move. So I hit him. I did it on purpose. F these cops. He wouldn't move. Well, the cop has a broken leg, extensive bruising. He was in a uh, hospital. But the Manhattan uh, Assistant District Attorney, Lucy Shepard, didn't charge uh, Dula with attempted murder. Instead, she'll face charges for first-degree attempted assault, attempted aggravated assault upon a police officer, second-degree assault, second-degree reckless endangerment, and operating a vehicle while impaired with drugs and, and reckless driving. However, she has a kind of a history. She has a, a record of past arrest, including a criminal mischief arrest in March 2022 after destroying property. The charges were dropped. She was arrested at least twice in New Hampshire, including an arrest in, arrest in 2020 for failing to stop at an intersection in the town of Henniker and striking another vehicle. She then fled the scene. She was also arrested for simple assault in an incident in Concord Hospital. Now, uh, she may be mentally ill, okay, um, but she should not be on the streets. And we just keep turning criminals over again and again and again and again. There is one parent now that is suing a town because they allowed um, a illegal to go free, and um, he went back and I believe raped their daughter, maybe killed their daughter. Um, so, uh, that's good. Uh, you know, we just keep letting these people out. So let me just, let me just give you a synopsis of basically what I just, I, I told you here. Um, we have cropland being bought up by foreign entities and it is poses a possible threat to our food supply. So food shortages, we have, um, the banking community, covering up who's going to a discount window, which tells you who's in trouble. And if the banking system is in trouble, they're now covering that up. You have crazy people and people who just believe that, you know, they have a right to act whatever the way they want to act because me, 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 uh, and, uh, and I'm black or I'm Hispanic or I'm anything but white. You can act wherever you want. And uh, uh, and and we're looking at all of these things, and 
Then Biden says over the weekend, uh, as he was um, addressing mayors at the U.S. Conference of Mayors, uh, he told the mayors that, you know, we've spent $15 billion on infrastructure and public safety. And money of, much of that money went directly to cities to hire and help equip police officers. R- really? Really? And he said, we have to get guns off the streets. He said, when we passed the Second Amendment, you weren't allowed to have a cannon. Not, not, not entirely uh, true. Uh, but he said, uh, here's the thing. If you want to water the tree of patriots, it has to be watered with blood. But you're going to need an F-16, not an AR-15, to take on the government. First of all, um, I think, yeah, well, whatever. It seemed to work out well for those people who are now running Afghanistan. Seemed to work out well that they just had, you know, automatic weapons or semi-automatic weapons, even though you had F-16s and surprisingly, now they seem to have much of our military over there, too. Um, But we're not just concerned about taking on the government. We are also concerned about the crazies that you have released into our streets, the lawlessness to be able to protect ourselves. I'm sorry, but anybody who is 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 questioning our judicial system and saying we got to we got to forget about bail. We got to release these people on the streets. Anybody who is sending immigrants, uh, calling them immigrants when they're illegal aliens and putting 10 million people who we don't know who they are, but one that comes in with sounds like maybe a Middle Eastern accent says, you're too stupid to know who I am, but soon you will know my name. I don't know. I think the average American should be allowed to protect and defend themselves and have a gun. My gosh, what, what? I mean, when John Fetterman starts to talk common sense, I think that's one of the horsemen. That might be like the third and a half horsemen of the apocalypse. John, uh, John Fetterman, he is, he is a deep progressive, okay? He's not a conservative. But uh, when he stands up and says, you know, the border crisis is threatening to destroy the American dream. Uh, I don't know. Um, He said, quote, I honestly don't understand why it's controversial to say we need a secure border. You know what? Neither do I, John Fetterman. Neither do I. This is another reason why Donald Trump does well. There is no question that he loves America. There's no question. You may disagree with him. You may not like the way he talks or whatever, but you cannot argue that he loves America. It's clear he does. And that's in question with a lot of people on both the left and the right. If you're not doing anything about the border, You're not doing anything with all of the crime that is now happening. You're not doing anything about the fentanyl that's being shoved over from China to Mexico to the gangs. You don't care about the people that are being raped on the border over and over and over again. If you don't care about terrorists coming across, if you don't care about the fact, the fact 
that as you print more money, you make the dollar weaker, inflation goes up, and it always ends the same in the collapse. If, if you don't care about any of that, I do question your loyalty to the United States of America. I do. If you don't care who's buying up farmland and it's China, I question if you love the country or not. But it's not just that. Next hour, I am going to show you a survey that has just been taken by the elites and the uber elites. These are the people that run the companies. They're the ones that are in uh, governments around the world. They are the ones who went to Harvard and Ivy League schools. These are the elites and the uber elites. They just had them take a survey. They couldn't be further away from you if they tried. I'll share that coming up in just a minute. All right, we are in almost the end of January now, and if you blew all your New Year's resolutions, which I know I did, uh, you can do uh, uh, come up with a new one for just a couple of minutes in the morning that can take care of all your wrinkles that you might have. Gen 90 is the new instant wrinkle treatment from GenuCell, and it instantly reduces the appearance of wrinkles anywhere you use it, around the eyes, the forehead, the crow's feet, the laugh lines, even the chin, and it starts working in seconds. Gen 90 technology is luxurious, nourishing, and silk smooth. And best of all, it starts working in just seconds. You'll know because you'll feel the tingle every single time. There's a reason why GenuCell has 400% more customer loyalty than other skincare brands. And Gen 90 is now on sale at GenuCell.com. It's included in the bestseller packages. And, you know, if you want to go overseas and try all these crazy treatments, you can do that. But you're going to spend a lot more. Try Gen 90 first. Make your fine lines and wrinkles disappear wherever they are and before you even leave the room, or you'll get your money back. The beauty of GenuCell is that it really works, and there's no risk, because they'll give you your money back if you don't like it. You're going to love it, though. GenuCell.com slash Beck. Free shipping on all orders now at GenuCell.com slash Beck. G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You know, I ask you to pull your car over because I don't want you to, I don't, you're going to be shocked at this next story. And especially if you had the jab, I don't want you to have heart failure or anything like that. Uh, completely unrelated to the jab. So I don't even know why I said that. But the Democratic Socialists of America are in financial trouble. Yeah, no, I've said no. it. I've said it. No. I know it's shocking. Oh, come on. The DSA, which has led all the protests against Israel um, over, you know, the October uh, 7th terrorist attack, now has to cut $500,000 from staff-related expenses. And they're asking, they're not just doing that, they're asking first for volunteers from both the director level and the bargaining unit staff. Uh, to have their positions cut and receive severance. Now, why would it be the director level and the bargaining unit staff, Stu? I mean, if they just should ask for people to volunteer to, you know, no longer get paid and just eliminate the position. Why are they singling those two out? Because I'm, I'm guessing the Democratic Socialists of America have a very flat pay scale, right? 
Well, yeah, so flat that I assume all of them make the exact, exact same amount. Same amount, right? Right, right, right. I mean, maybe they could just move them all into their offices at like a commune mm-hmm. and pay them nothing. Just give them, you know, for each, I mean, to each according to his need. Yes. For, you know, yes. that type of thing. Whatever um, that saying is. Yeah. Yes, they, we should do that. Um, if necessary, they will explore initiating layoffs according to the DSA's union contract. Who would have known that they were union? Now, a lot of people are saying that, you know, there were some Jewish supporters uh, that were part of the DSA and they stopped giving their money when they realized, oh, wow, uh, it's true that the Democratic Socialists of America hate the Jews. Maybe I should stop giving money. Um, but no, I'm, I'm, well, I'm not sure what it is. Uh, it doesn't seem like, it honestly doesn't seem like socialists ever run out of other people's money. The Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the uh, program. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about what's happening in New Hampshire tomorrow and how that is shaping up. Uh, Ron DeSantis dropped out over the weekend. Donald Trump is uh, looking to sweets now, uh, but Nikki Haley is still in the race. What's happening in New Hampshire? We'll tell you about that coming up in a minute. But first, the World Economic Forum uh, last week made uh, it very, very clear to all of the elites of the world. And you need to understand it as clearly as they do. They have just put out a global risks report, and it lays out the most significant risks and severe risks that we face over the next decade, five years and year. This has come out to say the number one thing that could destroy America and the world is mis and disinformation that is coming from unauthorized actors out of the mainstream trusted press. We'll tell you about that coming up in just a second, along with a shocking survey of who the elites are. What do they actually believe? Wait until you hear this coming up in 60 seconds. Let me tell you about American financing first. American financing is uh, a place that actually does business with you. They're not in business with the banks. They don't work for the banks. They don't take kickbacks from the banks. They work for you and they are looking for the best loan for you, whether you're financing a new home or you're refinancing uh, something because you want to roll in your high interest credit cards. 
There are, there's great news for homeowners right now. Interest rates have dropped and are now in the fives, which is a lot lower than they were last year. And if you've been buried in high interest credit card debt, now is the time to break free. To be able to have part of your mortgage pay off that high interest credit card debt where you're paying 25, even 30% interest, you pay it at in 5% or 6% interest, you're going to save a buttload of money and all of the interest you pay is now a tax deduction where it's not if you're trying to pay it off because of a credit card. Consumers just like you, people that listen to this show are now saving an average of $854 a month. You can also delay up to two mortgage payments, so check it out. The end is not near. Maybe a bright future is right around the corner after a phone call with American Financing. Go to AmericanFinancing.net. That's AmericanFinancing.net or call 800-906-2440. NMLS 1823-34. NMLSConsumerAccess.org. APR for the rates in the five starts at 6.275% for well-qualified buyers. Call 800-906-2440 for details about credit costs and terms. So there is a new poll out that was conducted on behalf of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, which divided respondents between elites, people with at least one postgraduate degree, earning more than $150,000 and living in zip codes where the population density exceeds 10,000 people per square mile. And then they put everybody else in the general public. Okay. So you had to have at least one postgraduate degree, $150,000 job plus, and live in a zip code that's high density. Okay. Everybody else was not considered elite. They then recorded the responses of a subset of super elites and elites. Now, the super elites were those who graduated from the prestigious private universities, the Ivy League, Duke, Stanford, Northwestern, and that made you a super elite. Wait until you hear what they found. It's not going to come as a surprise, but 73% of the upper class, the super elites uh, and the elites, consider themselves Democrats and approve of Joe Biden's performance at 84%. So 73% of the super elites and the elites are Democrats. And by 84%, that 73% loves Joe Biden's work. Now that's surface level. Listen to this. 74% of the elites and 88% of the super elites report their personal finances are on the upswing. Not a surprise, right? The bulk of those who remain say they're either unsure or they're getting neither better nor worse. Then there is just a negligible uh, portion of respondents that say their pocketbooks are getting lighter. Now that's all in the elites. Compare that to the Americans more generally, the rest of the people in the survey that don't fit into those categories I just explained. It's hard to believe they're living in the same country. We are becoming more and more divided in our country with everything, with absolutely everything. 40% of Americans say their financial situation is worsening and only 20% say it's improving. So those who are elites... 
They all say it's getting good. 88% say it's on the upswing. 20% of the regular people say it's improving. 40% say it's getting bad. Now, let's look into the rest. The class disproportionately represented in positions of influence don't feel the same economic pain that Americans uh, do, the rest of us. Because, because of that, it makes them less likely to take steps that will alleviate your pain, but will actually make things worse. They're supporting Biden because they're getting richer. You're feeling pain. So the elites don't see this as really a problem because they're fine. A stunning 77%, 77% of elites and 89% of super elites support strict rationing of meat, gas, and electricity. Let me say that number again. 77% of elites and 89% of super elites support strict rationing of meat, gas, and electricity. 72% and 81% would ban gas-powered cars. 55% and 70% would prevent Americans from engaging in non-essential air travel. 47 and 55% believe the government affords Americans too much freedom. Holy cow. The rest of the uh, country doesn't feel that way. The, The percentage of those who are not elites or super elites that would agree to any of those things is between 16 and 25%. 70% of elites, double the number of average Americans, and 89% of super elites say they trust the government to do the right thing. This is not a war against Republicans and Democrats. This is the elites versus everybody else. They don't see the world the same way at all. And I know this to be true. When you live in, let's say, Manhattan, you're living in, if you're living, you know, anywhere near the park, you are not living with real people that understand and look at America the same way. The easiest way to say is New Jersey, which is just across the river, that's like hillbillies and hicks. They, they don't understand anything until they get to Los Angeles. They don't get it, and they put everything in one bucket. They don't get it, we get it, and the people in Los Angeles get it. The people on the coasts, everybody else is disposable. They don't add anything to our lives. What? We, we can do whatever we want here. We have everything we want here. What else matters? I mean, God forbid we do anything to London or, or Paris except get rid of some of the riffraff. Because those are places we like to go to vacation at. This, these, this poll is absolutely stunning to me. So now, take what you know again. Let me just tell you again that 
they approve of Joe Biden by about 83 percent. Eighty three percent are getting better in their in their finances. Uh, they support by 77 and 89 percent of the super elites support the strict rationing of meat, gas and electricity. Eighty one would ban the use of gas powered cars. Seventy percent would Amer- would uh, prevent Americans from engaging in non-essential air travel. And 55 percent believe the government affords America's too much freedom. With that in mind, now let me tell you about Davos. Davos is putting together an exclusion list, a list that they're creating to demonize sources of sharing so-called disinformation. Now, what exactly is disinformation? Well, disinformation is real. It is the it is the intent of the author to um lie to the group of people to get them to believe something that isn't true that's disinformation it's intentional misinformation is not intentional okay but now they have exclusion lists to demonetize which means getting rid of all advertising uh even banking access anybody who is sharing so-called disinformation the president and CEO of Internews, uh, Internews, uh, an international nonprofit that provides support to independent media outlets in more than 100 countries, addressing how to prevent the spread of what they consider inaccurate information. They talked and did a, um, a talk at the um, Davos conference panel, and the panel was called Defending Truth. Global trust in institutions is eroding, reflected in how 40% of people consistently trust news, empowering Internet users with media information literacy, advancing in uh, information integrity and enhancing transparency. It's vital for addressing the spread of false information. So the question was, what actions do stakeholders need to take to preserve a healthy trust? uh ecosystem now remember we're not talking shareholders anymore because that's you we're talking stakeholders those are the elected officials the ceo of companies the boards of directors and the politicians the global elite oh i i forgot also the university systems those are the stakeholders you don't have a vote Your vote is when you pick one of these politicians. That's your voice. Now, they said the most effective way to keep people from being exposed to so-called inaccurate information is to develop a list or guides for advertisers that tell them where to and where not to spend. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Media Matters used to do this and all of these lefty organizations they do it because they threaten boycotts. They say, oh, if you're not with us, then you're against us. If you're with them, then you're our enemy. If you decide that their audience is worth your time and money, we know that those people are all deplorables. We know who they are, the unwashed masses. So if you want those people as customers, then we're against you. 
Now they are going to the global elites and the, and the governments, and they are now saying to these stakeholders that you don't want to advertise there. The governments are giving people permission to be able to debank. So they put pressure on and say, you know, this is person spending a lot of time spend is saying things that just aren't true. Like, I don't know, the jabs may have not been the best of ideas. You can't bank with those. And if they go to the advertisers and say, you got to drop your commercials from that show, they'll be debanked if they don't. You see how this blackmail works? Now listen to this. Disinformation makes money, and we need to follow that money. And we need to work with, in particular, the global advertising community. Those dollars are going to pretty bad content. So you can work really hard on exclusion lists or inclusion lists, but just focus on their ad dollars going to good news and information, the accurate and relevant news and information. I'm going to continue this and show you what is coming uh, in just a second. First, let me pause for just a moment and tell you about preborn. I was uh, speaking at uh, the preborn uh, fundraiser. This is the first fundraising dinner they've they've ever done. I was honored to be asked to speak there. Um, they have their job cut out for them. But the thing I really like about preborn is they are saving not just the babies that are being sacrificed uh, on the altar of God only knows child sacrifice. Um, but they're also saving the moms. One woman was telling a story about how she was working in a clinic and a woman came in. She said, I've already had four abortions. I know I'm going to hell. So I'm just going to have another one. And the nurse looked at her and said, honey, you're not going to hell. Uh, I've had abortions myself and I've turned my life over and I know where I'm going and you can too. This woman not only saved the baby, um, but she then went and saved herself by asking for forgiveness and she's become a great, great faithful Christian. That's what these people do. They're not just saving one life or one soul. They're saving both the mom and the baby and reconciling them with truth so they can be healthy and productive and they don't just abandon okay good you got you didn't get the abortion bye bye now they they actually are with the mom to help on all of the things that she might need in the first couple of years it's amazing you can be a part of it for $28 that's the cost of a dinner you can sponsor a free ultrasound to introduce the mom to her baby for the very first time. 100% of your donation goes towards saving babies. Will you help? Pound 250, say the keyword baby. Pound 250, keyword baby. Or you can donate securely online at preborn.com slash Beck. That's preborn.com slash Beck. Sponsored by Preborn. 10 seconds, station ID. Okay, so here's what uh, Internews does. They train journalists and digital rights activists. Uh, they tackle disinformation and offer business expertise to help media outlets become financially sustainable. Look at the incentives. 
The organization aims to eliminate disinformation designed to manipulate elections, distort public debate, incite violence, or undermine public health. All of these things are good and noble causes. We just don't agree on what's true or not, what the public health is. I think by pointing out, hey, um, you know, the testing of that jab, it's not what they say it is. Hey, I think it actually came from a lab that we helped fund in China. I believe that's the truth. Asking questions only leads you closer to the truth. They think that's disinformation. This is a, they say, a national and global security threat this year because of the elections. You need to shore up your credibility with everybody you know. You need to get rid of all of the things in your life that you might have done wrong or are doing wrong. Get them out into the open. Clean them all up. Make amends where you can so you don't have anything to fear. Then you need to start speaking out, but you need to be well-researched. You're smart enough to figure things out. You don't immediately sign on to things that you're like, oh my gosh, here's the silver bullet, and it's exactly the answer I was looking for. Be cautious of those things. Do extra research. You know, the things I tell you, I always, I really want to be wrong. I really want to be wrong on these things. I hope that I am. But one thing that disinformation uh, the real purveyors of disinformation do, will say, don't ask any questions. You can't ask that question. You just accept this. You should ask questions of not only people you agree with, but people you disagree with. You should ask questions to the deepest questions of yourself. Because if you stop asking and talking to people who differ with you, then you grow arrogant and you become just like those people. You become so arrogant. I have nothing to learn from you. You're just a moron. You're beneath me. Did you go to Harvard? I did. No, I didn't. And that's why I'm still asking questions. You should always ask questions and people who tell you not to, just to trust them, run from them and don't become like them. Glenn Beck. You know, I have another question. Uh, you know, it's really interesting. Um, there's a medical society that's fighting this, too. We'll talk about that coming up in just a second. First, uh, let me tell you about the Berna launcher. Berna is this great, I mean, it looks like a gun. They call it a launcher because it's not technically a gun. But it, it launches um, kinetic rounds that at 60 feet, man, it, it will hurt. Um, but also, you put a couple of kinetic rounds in it, and then the third round is tear gas, not pepper spray, tear gas. And it um, incapacitates anybody who's a potential attacker or anything else, a bad guy, for about 40 minutes. They're not going anywhere for 40 minutes. Now, you can have this for self-defense. There are no background checks required. There are no permits. It's legal in all 50 states. It can be used by anybody over 18, and it is a powerful, powerful deterrent. It doesn't replace a gun, but it 
it makes it a lot easier to pull that launcher and stop the bad guys without killing them. Burna.com slash Glenn, B-Y-R-N-A dot com slash Glenn. Go there now. Tomorrow, I want to get into uh, the APA, the American Psychological Association. Why is it they have an entire page to misinformation, dedicated to misinformation, and how the psychiatrists and psychologists can handle disinformation and uh, and make sure they're stopping it in their own community? Are are you really, really? See, this is the problem. When people make mistakes, they need to admit to it. They just need to admit to it. It would do Donald Trump a great service if he said, you know what? I believed Fauci. Shouldn't have. Shouldn't have. Uh, I went against my better instincts. My instincts are always wrong. I said it would be over by Easter, and I listened and was duped, and that's bad. Okay. All right. Just say it. You know, sometimes I don't listen to my instincts, and I, I should. That would go a long, long way uh, for a lot of people, because arrogance is what is killing us. Tomorrow, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the medical mis- and disinformation on the program, also as we deal with the uh, the vote tomorrow in New Hampshire. we got Stu here, who's going to give us an update on how things are standing right now in New Hampshire. Yeah, I mean, it, there's two worlds, basically. We covered this on the State of the Race podcast, which is a free uh, bonus pod we have on the Studios America feed. encourage you to subscribe to that. But basically, if you're looking at New Hampshire, we have two separating worlds, okay? You have the consensus polling world, which shows Donald Trump with a relatively comfortable lead. Uh, it is uh, low double digits, if you want to summarize it. Um, the, there's a one poll that's doing a tracking poll, releasing regular results, the, uh, Suffolk poll, which has Trump up by 19 points. Uh, you have a lot of tens and twelves and fourteens in that general vicinity. And most polling agrees with that view where Donald Trump has a lead. It's a competitive state. Like it wouldn't be completely stunning to see this thing be close, but Trump has a relatively comfortable lead in New Hampshire. The other world, if if you want to, if you're a Haley supporter, I know you mentioned an anonymous Haley supporter that works in this building, Glenn, <laughs> earlier on the program. If you happen to be that person, yes. who is so anonymous, he continually wears Nikki Haley T-shirts to work. Right. If you're that person, the what you want to adopt as the actual world is the world from the American Research Group. This is one set of pollsters, one pollster who has been doing a set of polls uh, in different states and has focused on New Hampshire regularly over the past month or so. They have continually polled this race as being very, very close. Had it at a four-point race in the end of December and actually had a poll earlier this month that had it at a 40-40 to 40 tie in New Hampshire. Their latest poll came out just uh, yesterday and has... Trump at 46 and Haley at 44. 
again, over and over again, they've seen this poll as uh, this state is much, much closer than everybody else has seen it. Do you know anything about them or their methodology? They're a mid-level pollster as far as the, the, you know, the people who rank these pollsters for quality. They have, they're in the middle of the pack. I think it was a C plus from 538. Uh, So not necessarily super Republican, not necessarily seen as a hardcore partisan polling group. We've seen Mm -hmm. some of these people in the past that always have good results for one side or the other. But for whatever reason, they're seeing New Hampshire as completely different. My belief is that they are not correct in that analysis and that in in actuality, Trump has a significant lead in the polls there um, and probably will wind up winning, um, especially with, you know, DeSantis dropping out in this in the American Research Group poll, for example, DeSantis had six percent of the vote. But this is before he drops out. Obviously, most of those votes will not go to DeSantis now. And. My guess is most of them go to Donald Trump. He endorsed Donald Trump on his way out. He's his, uh, you know, his affiliations and his group of voters are much more aligned with Donald Trump than Nikki Haley. So that could hurt her a little bit more uh, if she's already she's already in a, a lot of trouble there. If she can finish, if she can be surprisingly close in New Hampshire, does she have a path to South Carolina? I think she would argue the answer to that is yes. But again, you know, and this being her home state, she is showing up there. She's been around yeah, the mid 20s in polling in South Carolina, but that's way the, behind Donald Trump. The the thing that I hear about South Carolina is quote we really like Nikki Haley, but we love Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. That's that's the difference. She's going to do well. It's her home state and people generally like her, but they love Donald Trump. So what is remember the um the polling group that was the one that really got it right in 2016. They came back, have a totally different methodology. Trafalgar. Yeah, Trafalgar. Yes. What are they saying about this? Trafalgar has not had a poll of New Hampshire since early December. Uh, their last poll had Trump up big, 45 to 18, Chris Christie at 14, DeSantis 11, Ramaswamy 10. Obviously, so much has changed. It's hard to so really much take much changed. out of that. It was December 9th to 11th. So Did they have, what was the late, What was the last they took in uh, Iowa, and have they seen South Carolina yet? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know off the top of my head. I can uh, see if I can dig that up here quickly. Let's have it for, for tomorrow. You. Maybe we can get oh, yeah. the head of Trafalgar on tomorrow. Trafalgar did thinks. do a, a poll late and lined up with pretty much everybody else. Uh, they had uh, Trump 52, DeSantis 19, Haley 19. Uh, again, the polling was pretty good. In Pretty Iowa, I, you know, good. a lot of people, again, everyone likes to complain about the polls, but they were actually pretty accurate in Iowa and pretty much nailed the result. They, now, they, the average polling result had Haley a little bit ahead of DeSantis and that wound up flipping by a couple of points. But generally speaking, right. they were right in the, in the ballpark on it's Iowa. It's all within the mar- margin of error. Yeah, you totally. Have, you're that close. And you, I mean, you can flip them within the margin of error. Yep. Um, and nothing from Trafalgar on South Carolina. Uh, again, I don't know. You know, remember one thing about South Carolina is that I believe a full month after New Hampshire, which is tomorrow, by the way. So you have a month of a gap there. The polling is not going to be all that uh, viable, but it is, uh, the South Carolina polls overall have shown a substantial lead for Donald Trump, but a pretty strong, a decent showing for New Hampshire, uh, for uh, Haley, Uh, 60% for Trump. 25% 25% for Haley. Again, she could probably continue and pull that type of split off in all of these states going forward where the anti-Trump vote would all just vote for Haley. And that would get her some delegates. She would have some voice 
if she wanted to continue that. And I, I'm sure that's going to be at some point tempting considering all of Trump's legal issues. Uh, one other thing from this New Hampshire poll, which I found interesting, Glenn, this is one that came out today from Washington Post and Monmouth, had uh, Donald Trump out in front significantly showing pr- pretty consistently uh, consistent results with other polling there. I think, I think maybe 14 or 16 points he was up. But it goes back to the fundamental question of this campaign that no other candidate was able to answer. And you have a situation once again where a defining question of this primary is, do you believe 2020 was stolen or do you believe 2020 was a normal election in some way, fair and square election? They asked this question again in this primary, and it shows, I think, part of the weakness uh, in the struggles Ron DeSantis had here, which is DeSantis is trying to go for some of these voters who are also who also like Donald Trump. And the question is, do you think it was a fraud or do you think it was fair and square? Well, about two thirds... Okay. Hang on just a mm-hmm. sec. Give me the results of this. Because th- there's you've had a theory on this for a while, and I think it's worth exploring, but I don't want to cheat you on time. So let me okay. take a quick uh, break. Relief Factor. Terry wrote in about his experience with Relief Factor. He says, I struggled with pain for quite a while from my lower back up, down my legs. I heard about Relief Factor, decided to give it a try. A couple weeks in, I was pain-free. It is incredible to me how many people I've told about Relief Factor. It just made such a huge difference in my life. And I think it could help others. So I tell them, thank you, thank you, thank you for telling me about Relief Factor. Relief Factor is a daily supplement that helps your body fight that pain by fighting inflammation in your body. 100% drug-free, developed by doctors to help reduce or eliminate pain. 70% of the people who try their quick start go on to order more month after month. So see how Relief Factor can help you. 1995 comes with Relief Factor's Feel Better or Your Money Back Guarantee. So give it a try. Visit relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. 800, the number 4-RELIEF. When you feel the difference, you'll know it works. relieffactor.com. Get even more, Glenn. Subscribe to the Glenn Beck Podcast anywhere podcasts are found. This is the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Tomorrow is the uh, New Hampshire primary, and then a month after that, we will go to South Carolina and hear the voices of the people in South Carolina. Stu's been talking um, about uh, some numbers that he's been seeing in polls that uh, he thinks are are not telling the whole story or the people interpreting them are not telling the whole story, Stu. Yeah, I mean, this is just sort of a theory. I mean, as Ron DeSantis drops out, you think about how he could have done better, right? Like the question we and we talked about this in hour one, was there any path to, to really winning in this environment with Trump being indicted? And I think Trump... Trump's indictment really accelerated this. You can see it straight out in the polls where he's pretty competitive until about March. And then when this endorsement happens or these indictments happen, I mean, almost an endorsement, a reverse endorsement from the media, Mm. you know, DeSantis falls and Trump rises. It's it's pretty clear right around that time. Um, But one of the things that I think fundamentally sets this up is really difficult for anyone challenging Donald Trump is the idea that conservatives, generally speaking, want some sort of justice. They want they value justice as one of the primary things. And if they believe that this 2020 election was stolen from Donald Trump and given to Joe Biden through fraud, 
they are much more likely to vote for Donald Trump. And so the question kind of boils down to these lines. Now, this is in a new, a new poll out in New Hampshire from Washington Post and Monmouth. And in this, in New Hampshire, about 51% of the voters that are voting in this primary think 2020 was decided by fraud. About 42% said it was fair and square. Now, that's out of line with other states. Iowa was about 66 to 30 on that question. More people believed it was fraud. But what's interesting is what's behind that number. If you believe fraud was the cause here, 82% of those voters go to Donald Trump. And 8% go to Ron DeSantis. Only 6% go to Nikki Haley. But you see how, like, Ron DeSantis where is he going to get these voters from? He has to get them from the same pool that believe that uh, that this, the election was stolen. He loses that to Trump 82 to 8. Now, if you go if, if, with the people that believe the election was decided fair and square, Nikki Haley wins that by a large margin. What's fascinating about it, though, is Ron DeSantis doesn't even finish second in that question. Nikki Haley, 71%. Donald Trump, 14%. Ron DeSantis, 6%. So taking out what you believe actually happened here, just go straight political strategy. Throw out what's true and what's not. None of these politicians care about that anyway. If you wanted to beat Donald Trump in the Republican primary, the only way to do it was to convince people that 2020 was not stolen. There really isn't a path for you to beat Donald Trump if the electorate believes that the election was stolen. They will look at this and say, wait a minute, this is unfair. This opportunity was taken from him, Mm -hmm. and therefore he deserves another chance at it. It's his election. He should be president right now. Now, Whether you believe that or not isn't the point. The the way that Republicans generally handled this was to either completely agree with Donald Trump and say, yes, it was stolen, or the sort of soft agreement you saw from a lot of these candidates. Well, look, you know there were a lot of things that were shady about this election and lots of problems. And I don't know, you know, who knows what happened. And just strategically that allowed the population of the voters to say, well, look, you know, there's not much disagreement on this, right? It's either stolen or there's a lot of shenanigans, but we don't know if it was exactly stolen. Probably the only way to unseat Donald Trump in this primary was an early attack on that number and try to convince people which i think would be a real long shot and very difficult to do but to convince people that actually know this wasn't stolen donald trump just lost and if if that if that could somehow have worked you have a chance at least to beat him but the question is was that even possible my argument would probably be it wasn't possible Uh, but if you wanted to make that happen you had to do it early and consistently and republicans never seem to have any appetite for that See, I, I don't think that uh, I don't think I would vote for somebody who said, no, it was all on the up and up. And I don't I, and I'm not one that believes that Donald Trump uh, lost uh, absolutely positively it was stolen from him. Mm-hmm. I am in the middle. I don't know. And what bothers me is that nobody seems to want to know the answer to that question. Um, we should be doing everything we can as a nation to secure our 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 vote and to make sure that it's sure. all on the up and up. And I'm not sure. I think there were things that happened that were very, very bad. Was it enough to give it to Donald or to give it to Joe Biden? I don't know, because we didn't ever have, I think, an honest, thorough accounting of everything. Yeah. Um, so 
I, I don't I don't like the absolute position of uh, of either side. But what is interesting is what you said about uh, loyalty. Loyalty is very important. This is Jonathan Haidt stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, loyalty is very, very important to conservatives. They value loyalty almost above almost everything else. Um, and when you look at loyalty um, uh, and you're, you're giving Donald Trump a second try because he's been loyal to you and you think he's been wrong, the sense of justice and loyalty are absolutely unbeatable for Republicans. Um, those are the two, yeah. t- the two strongest things that go on. And the Democrats don't have that. And that's why you didn't see Al Gore, in, them insisting that Al Gore run again in 2004. He was just done because the loyalty and the um, search for uh, the justice for the underdog doesn't root itself in the same way as it does with conservatives. Yeah, Hillary Clinton as well in 2016. Yeah. They all believe yeah. that one was stolen or it was unjust and they didn't demand for her to run in 2020. Um, yeah, no, I think I think what you're saying is true, Glenn, where, you know, my my only point on this analysis is just from a strategic standpoint, you, you put yourself in a position where you can't win. I don't know that it would have worked by any means. I think it would have been uphill. But you can't win in this circumstance. It's like, you know, you're a college team. You're going up against the Kansas City Chiefs, and we're arguing about, well, you should have called more run plays. It's like, well, maybe that would have helped with the DeSantis campaign. But the fundamentals of this were really difficult from the beginning, and I don't think it was overcomable or able to be overcome in the way that it, it turned out. The Glenn Beck Program.